I'm reaching the three and a half month mark of puppy having and boy, howdy, am I tired. <laughs> Just tired all the goddamn time. The respect I have for parents of toddlers, <laughs> it was already high and it's not through the fucking group. Like not only do parents of toddlers deal with the same like, you know, sleep, constant noise, have to pay attention 24 hours, make sure they're eating enough, etc., they also have to, like, worry about the emotional well-being of their baby. Yeah, dogs are a little bit easier. You can kind of... <laughs> yeah, like, if I'm, like, shut up, I'm not going to, like, give him trauma for the next 30 years, you know? Yeah. So hats off to you toddler owners, or havers. You toddler owners? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, yes, yeah, so you're the energy today, and I'm the facts. I'm the energy. You're the cold, hard facts. No jokes from me, only facts. And I am not going to say any jokes either. This is a rare no jokes episode of <laughs> Wheels Up, our podcast. See, the way you laugh makes me think that that was a joke, which immediately underlines our I've actually, integrity. here's the thing, James. Actually, I've never told a joke on this podcast, actually. Everything I've said has been 100% total facts interesting and i've never told the joke and i don't intend to start now okay 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 let's try our no joke episode no <laughs> jokes only facts no joke no jokes allowed in this episode of wheels up no jokes you hear that you know what else is no joke our theme song our theme song <laughs> Hi, listeners. Welcome to this episode of Wheels Up, our Criminal Minds podcast. My name is James. And I'm B. And this week, we are watching season three, episode 11, Birthright. Good app. Good app, actually. But kind of fucked up. But a good app. Here's the thing. Mm -hmm. When JJ spends an entire episode just a little angry, boy, howdy, it makes me feel some type of way. I think she was angry in this one. I thought she was mostly just brooding. <laughs> she was like the Batman of this episode. She was so angsty. She was so angsty. And not to be rude, but like, for what, Queen? <laughs> for what? Okay, the, here's the thing. I get it. Like the whole, I'm also like a young blonde woman. I see so many young blonde women killed, etc. But it comes out of fucking nowhere. Literally nowhere. And also... None of these women look especially like Jennifer Jarrell. No. At all. There, ha there have been women who have looked... More like JJ. Yeah. Not this episode, though. They were mostly brunettes, actually. So it was, like, super weird that they just decided this was the episode. I think it's because AJ Cook is already pregnant. Did you note that there was, a there was like, a, a belly touch? And I was like, oh, so you're pregnant. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah, 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 yeah. This is a pregnancy episode for sure. And after this is when she starts wearing like loose fitting cotton shirts, a lot of A-frames. There's an episode coming up, Rossi's episode, where they're at a bar or like, you know, a restaurant or something and they're all drinking alcohol and JJ is drinking a clear liquid that is water. And that was when I was like, oh, she's pregnant. Oh, she's pregnant. That's like... 
shows don't do that. There's, you know, there's one shot this episode where she is standing directly behind the like top part of somebody's desk, just so you perfectly cannot see her stomach. And I was like, oh, okay. So we're in that era. We're in that era of criminal minds. And then also in this episode, when they go to the farmer's stand, she gets out of the car and immediately tugs her shirt down and like rubs it to make sure her belly's looking flat. Like she has like a moment where she like touches her like uterus area. And I'm like, cut this take out. What are you? Oh, is this like a hint? Like, what is the point of this? Also, when Hotch is like, once I had Jack, I started dreading cases that involved kids. And Gigi goes, why are you telling me this? And I was like... She's so defensive. Cold as ice. He's like, hey, I'm going to be vulnerable with you. And she's like, don't you fucking dare. Not today, Aaron. Not today, Aaron Hotch. Your father never let you be vulnerable, and I'm not about to either. Get your shit together, Aaron. Also, I just really need some edit. The moment when they're driving in the car and she's like all brooding, looking at the window and just put breakaway over it by kind of Clarkson. It literally is. It's, it's like so angsty. It's so early 2000s like music video core. Oh, and I love it. God bless. JJ was like, I'm in my like looking at a rainy window era. <laughs> and she's so true for that. She's so true for that. She is. Also, okay, this episode takes place in Fredericksburg. Virginia. And a couple things. I've been there. I love it. I'm going to go back. It's very beautiful and cool. Oh, there's this tapa place that Sharon and I can eat at, which is like great because that's very rare. She's celiac, so she can't have any gluten. Mm -hmm. Nothing in a fryer that's had gluten. Can't use the same pans as gluten. It's a big thing. I'm allergic to dairy, like allergic, throat closing allergic. So the fact that we can both go and eat there is great. Crazy. Also, there's Crazy. There's this really great um, gay bookstore that's there, which is great. I bought a planner, a yearly planner called My Queer Year. Shout out to Fredericksburg, Virginia. Killing it with both tapas and gay books. We went in October and the Starbucks there, they put tables in the window display and then put skeletons. So it looked like skeletons were having coffee dates. That's so cute, actually. No, it's actually so cute. And there's a really great barbecue place there. No, it's a good little town. Which made me laugh when they were like, he dumps the bodies in the battlefield where the Battle of Chancellorville took place. And I'm like, you can say Fredericksburg's Spotsylvania. Like, you, they don't, the name of the national park is Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania Military Battlefield Park, right? Mm-hmm. They don't. They never say Spotsylvania once in this. That's because that's a nothing word. You're saying a word that's just a collection of letters. Spotsylvania. Spotsylvania is not a. Uh, that's not a real word. I'm convinced. But they. It is. But they also never say like the Fredericksburg National Park. They're just like Chancellorsville Battlefield, which like I guess. But it's just weird to me that they like, why even mention it's a national park then if you're not going to ever name the national park it's in? It was just weird. Also, for the Civil War nerds out there like me, surprise, I'm actually very into the Civil War, but not for racism, just because I like ghosts. The Battle of Chancellorville was the battle that led to Gettysburg, essentially. 
It was General Lee's greatest victory. It was where Jackson died, Stonewall Jackson. Stonewall Jackson's arm is actually buried in Fredericksburg, Pennsylvania. Only yeah. his arm? The rest of his body is at his home. But why? Well, they had this. So, okay. <laughs> okay. So Stonewall may Jackson died. <laughs> yes, you may. Let me tell you a little bit about the Battle of Chancellorville. Okay. General Hooker, which is where we get the name Hookers, because he used to have sex workers follow him around. They became known as Hooker's Girls. And then now we just say Hooker's. This, sorry, sorry to derail your story so quickly. This man is so famous for the amount of sex workers he had hanging around that he just made slang from scratch. Yeah, he also sucked ass. I mean, that was sort of, I feel like that was kind of implied from the having so many sex workers follow you around. I mean, he was also like a bad general too. Like all around, like, yeah. So basically he had 120,000 union men. At Fredericksburg. And he's like, I know General Lee is heading this way. He's only got 30,000 men. I'm going to beat his ass into the ground. <laughs> so true. It's going to be great. They start fighting. And then do. from, as they do. And then from around the side, Stonewall Jackson, who is, uh, Hooker is the Union. Lee and Jackson are the Confederates. Okay, yeah. Jackson comes around from behind the Union army to attack from the rear but his own men see him and shoot him in the arm by accident because they're not expecting anyone to be there. He came from like a surprise second way. So they just started fucking shooting, which is kind of how it was in the Civil War. So I started blasting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just started shooting to the trees. Yeah. So he gets shot. He goes to the hospital. They amputate his arm at Fredericksburg, Spotsylvania. And then the rest of his body goes home. And he dies on the trip because it takes like four fucking days to get anywhere in the Civil War. So he dies, which is great. He sucks ass too. Uh, But even though Hooker had 120,000 men and was like super confident, they lose. What? General Lee, yeah. General Lee beats them. Okay. 30,000 men die in this battle. Not the 30,000 Confederate soldiers. Like 30,000 Union soldiers die. And then General Lee is so fucking confident in this in himself now. General Lee is like, I'm fucking God, I can't be killed. That he goes to Gettysburg. And then Gettysburg happens. And then he gets his ass. Okay. And yeah. then he gets his ass. Yeah, and then he gets his ass I mean, whooped. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he really does. Truly. So that's that. That's the history. None of that gets talked about. I thought it was very random that they just decided on on Fredericksburg. I was like, oh, I've been there. Nice place. They just, you know, casual. It's also only a 30-minute drive from Quantico. That's probably why they decided it. They probably have a, like, I bet you in the writer's room of Criminal Minds, there was a fucking map of the... (laughs) of the fucking... Northeast, and it was like they have like a circle drawn around it for like drivable <laughs> episodes for episodes we can't use the plane set on. So random, but yeah, that's Chancellorville. Neat, cool, great, whatever. Stonewall Jackson's death site. They have like a little monument. His arm is buried somewhere. Although, is that the monument that the dude was sitting at then at the very end? That was probably a monument of Stonewall Jackson. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I bet that dude was fucking into Stonewall Jackson. I mean, yeah. Shall we talk about this episode? Because it's kind of a fucking banger, actually. Let's. So, who is the writer? Who's the director? The writer of this episode is 
uh, Deborah J. F- Fisher and Erica Messer. Okay. So those two, I think, become our showrunners in later seasons, or at least they're co-EPs. Yeah, they do. Probably, like, next season. It's early on. It's it's really early on that one or both of them take over. Um, yeah. And then John Gallagher is our director. Let me see if he directed any other eps. He sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure right now Deborah Messer is the head. Like, I'm pretty sure she's doing, like, evolution and stuff. Well, yeah, I- We've talked about this before. Jeff Davis, who made the show, was not the showrunner for more than the first season, I think. He went on to make Teen Wolf, which is the most Criminal Minds-ass fact about Criminal Minds. (laughs) See, I feel like that boosts my supernatural theory of Criminal Minds, that the showrunner then went on to do supernatural shows, you know? I don't know as though it does. I think it does. Um, John Gallagher, also the director of episodes such as uh, No Way Out, uh, Ashes and Dust, he was oh. the director of Seven Seconds. He's oh. also the director of In Heat. He does he does two or three episodes for these first six seasons. So okay, so we like him. He's up there on He's my up list. There. I mean, in season three, he did Seven Seconds, Birthright, and then In Heat. Like nothing but bangers. Nothing but bangers. Three for three. Okay, so this episode, we're in the woods, the fields of Fredericksburg, where so many soldiers gave their lives for freedom. And these teens are having a party. These college students are partying in the woods. Like, you can't find anywhere better else to do this? There's fucking nothing else out there, so, like, I get it. This actually, though, now that I'm thinking about it, they just had a keg and then a bunch of people's trucks blasting music. And I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, that is, like, every party I went to in high school (laughs) and college. So, like, I get it. It's funny because I thought they were high schools. High schoolers. I worked on teens, but... They're actually, like, in their 20s. They're college students, yeah. Yeah. So they would have gone to the University of Mary Washington, by the way. That's a close-by one. So there is a college close-by. Congratulations, Criminal Minds. You did it. (laughs) You can fucking throw a penny in this country and hit a college close-by. Let's not... Not in Harper's Ferry. You gotta let Harper's Ferry go, man. You gotta (laughs) let it go. I'm just saying they don't always throw the penny in the right direction, Okay. Gotta let it go, bestie. I let nothing go ever. I know. That's not until I forget about it. (laughs) The autism is like, no, you'll remember this. And then the ADHD is like, remember what? What am I supposed to remember? (laughs) What am I remembering? Okay. There's a girl missing named Julie. And the brunette girl is like, she just left. She went to DC or New York. I wish I could get out of this shithole town. Yada, yada. And then there's also another girl that went missing. So two missing girls and this brunette who becomes the third. And then this boy comes wandering in, like bleeding from the neck, like screaming. Um, And it's totally fake. And everyone's like, that's not funny, actually. I love that this dude's whole deal is that he's not funny and an asshole and nobody likes him. Like, I love that that's his whole deal. Yeah, yeah. But they've known him their whole lives. They have to hang out with him. Exactly. So the brunette and her boyfriend go to the woods to make out, like you do, and probably more. He fully takes off his shirt. That's true, and she takes off her cardigan. Also, I'm pretty sure it's December in this episode, so I'm just putting that out there. Okay, they hear a noise in the woods. They think it's the boy from before, so the guy goes off to yell at him, and he's like, I'm going to beat him up. And then he comes back and is like, yeah, I didn't find him. The girl is gone, and her like shirt is on the ground. And then the friend is like, also I'm here and they start doing the thing of like she's with you I thought she was with you no I mean she's not with me so she's with you well she's not with me so she's with you 
It's a very who's on first situation. Very much. And then they just start yelling her name over and over again. Not moving, just standing there yelling her name. No, she is uh, gone. And she's not about to have a good time. No, for sure, for sure, for sure. We're at Quantico, 30 minutes away. JJ's on the phone being like, don't worry, I'm sure the team is going to feel the same way as I do, etc. And I think it's funny that, like, she's putting up the pretense as if she's, like, presenting the case to be accepted. <laughs> but when she goes in and gives it to them, everyone's like, cool, this is the case we're doing. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's so funny that she's like, you know, I think they'll go for it. We'll be there. I'll let you know. When fully she's just like, this is what we're doing. And everybody's like, okay. Yep. Yeah, she can't she can't let the locals know how much power she has because then they'll like all come for her. You know? Like they think she's just like an intermediary when like she actually chooses every case. Which is so funny. Yeah. Cause we're getting to like we've just had this whole era of the show where like JJ is starting to actually pick the cases more and yeah. like that whole JJ and Hotch conversation of like, I thought we picked the cases. She's like, no, you don't. So I yeah. love that they're including this. They're still including it. Like, yeah. she's still, this is a little, this is a little part she plays. Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm just like a young lady. I'm just like a little dude is the thing. I just like answer emails and like hand over files. Just kidding. Can I also <laughs> just say JJ's job would be my worst fucking nightmare. I hate answering emails. Oh my god, so many phone calls, so many emails. Oh, oh, oh. Keeping track of text threads. Could not. Could not do couldn't, it. Couldn't, couldn't do it. And then she's like clearly very tired and upset. So it's like, oh, Okay, and then we, okay. Boop, 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 boop. Update alert. Emily Prentice in her bright red shirt era. I love to see it. <laughs> she looks so good this episode. Every time I saw her, I was like, she's so, like, dark and mysterious. (laughs) And then the thing is, too, like, the other outfit she wears for the most part of this episode is that, like, blue shirt with the gray sweater. It's the most dykey outfit possible. (laughs) I wear that to work regularly. Like, that is the most butch-ass look. And and because of the fact that it's a 2008, it's an attached shirt and sweater because it's also three quarter sleeves the the cuffs are rolled up and they're like three inches wide for no reason and then it's like tucked in to this like her patent thick bell she's got her facing the wrong way men's watch like fuck me up dude what it's the most dinky outfit she's worn yet i think actually like actually i think so Again, this is something, like, I would wear regularly to the office. <laughs> yeah, This is for a business sure. casual butch look. She also, for, like, one second, wears, like, a silver button-down. Yeah. It's, like, it's... She's wearing this bright red turtleneck that on anyone else, you would be, like, really a bright red turtleneck. But that color looks so good on her that I'm just, like, hell yeah. And then it's, like, this silky silver like shimmer thread button down and then it's her dyke outfit all episode she looks great god she's attractive okay jj comes into the meeting with her folders and she's like startled that everyone is already there because usually she's the first one and she puts all the folders out but they've already gathered she's late and it's supposed to make us i think it's supposed to make us feel like she's like out of sorts and like 
uh-oh, she's late to the meeting. But, like, she was on the phone with the local cop. So it's not like she was just lost in thought. Yeah. You know, so I was like, okay. It's kind of it's kind of weird now because I also have this experience, like, three times a week where my boss sends, like, a little fucking Slack message to the whole team. And he's like, hey, guys, let's meet in conference room A for our meeting. And then he's late, even though he sent the message. So I think it's very much like a... She sent the Slack message, did not expect them to all get there on time, and she's like, oh, right. oh you're all here now. Oh, uh, my bad, okay. <laughs> yeah, so she gets in. She says there's three missing girls in the past six weeks, and a body part was recovered from the Chancellorville Battlefield, which is in the Fredericksburg Spotsylvania, Spotsylvania National Park. It is hard to say that word, isn't it? It's, it's a nothing word. It's the it's the Pennsylvania, but it's Spot Sylvania, Spotsylvania. Why why Spotsylvania? I, why does this sound like Dracula fucking up? Like oh, pe- saying Pennsylvania. Like what is this? So Pennsylvania translates from Latin to Penn's Woods. It was named after William Penn to honor his father. Okay, yeah. so it's Penn's. Sylvania. So it's his woods, sure. Yeah, so Spotsylvania must have been... Spotswoods. Yes, it was named after Alexander Spotswood, the colonel governor of Virginia. Why couldn't they just call it fucking Spotswood? Why they just call it Spotsylvania? I like that it's Spotswoods Woods. Like, it's stupid. (laughs) That's very funny. It's also a play on words. His name is Spotswoods. So it's Spotsylvania, Spotswoods. Yeah, that doesn't stop it from being a fucking stupid name. I mean, I I guess so. It's no different than Pennsylvania. But it's so much harder to pronounce for some reason. You're just not used to Spotsylvania. Spotsylvania. Wait, does that mean Transylvania is the trans woods? Yeah, woods of trans is your gender. Yeah. (laughs) So Transylvania means beyond the woods because trans means beyond or across other side you know your gender yeah i mean that's what trans and cis mean right that's why you have translation transatlantic transnational transition and means like beyond different over there so transylvania is through the woods beyond the woods over the river and through the woods can we talk about this episode oh yeah did you just forget we were doing a podcast? <laughs> you jolted up like I fucking shocked you. So I got really excited about Latin names. <laughs> okay. The body parts were found in spots as woods, covered in cigar burns. Nope, cigarette burns. The, these body parts are from the first victim that went missing. So... Julie and the new girl have not been killed yet. That's the right. assumption. And the body was only dead for a week, so he must have kept her for a while. For some time, yeah. Yeah. And then there's microscopic tool marks on the bone. So he's like cut, he like cuts the bone. That's never expanded on, but cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Back in the winter of 1980, similar crimes were committed. On the same battlefield, the same MO, and the same time of year. Suspicious. That's suspicious. That's weird. That's suspicious. That's weird. The old case, that case is still open. 
But this time, instead of abducting women from like town or whatever, he's abducting drug addicts and runaways and sex workers. No. Other the way first around. time, yeah. The first time it was all drug addicts and runaways, and this time it's college girls. So the, some of the women may be alive. And Emily says, that's a hell of a cooling off period. And she's correct. She's correct. You know what's super weird? We're reviewing this in 2023. Correct. Right? 1980 was 43 years ago. Yeah. Uh-huh. So when I was watching this and they were like, the sun's like 27. I was like, oh, because it's only 2007 in the <laughs> show. <laughs> You were like, no, this dude's in his 40s. I was like, he's got to be older than that, right? (laughs) Nope. Last episode that aired in 2007, I think. Mm -hmm. Okay, also, since we're talking about time, when Rossi talks about his case later... It's incorrect, and it fucking pisses me off. He says it's one of his first cases, and it's been 21 years. They don't know how old Rossi is. Sorry, is he supposed to be like 40? Like, what? I'm sorry, Joe Montagna. No, <laughs> you're not playing 40, my guy. Like, like, hadn't Gideon been with the BAU for like 40 years? Yeah. S- Rossi should have, as well, and those 21 years included his retirement time. Yeah, no, it's it should have been like 35 years ago. That would have made more sense. 30 or 40 yeah. years ago would have made way more sense. But then when we see the kids and we do see them soon, the youngest one is like, 19. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, what? Would not have been alive. <laughs> I guess, well, I guess she would have to be like 21 or 22 because she was a baby when it happened. Yeah, it just doesn't. I'm sorry, Criminal Minds writers. You're not going to. They're wrong about their dates in two different ways here. Yeah. And also, like, we will see those kids next episode. Uh, No. The episode after. We will in, see like, them two- in. In three episodes. Okay. Three episodes. They're so wrong here. And for what? You should have known this was coming. They knew this was coming Wild. since they got Rossi back. Literally, his brace, that bracelet is one of the first things we see about him. And you didn't have time to get it right in the, what is it? Like, eight episodes that she that he's here before he does that? Like, come on. It is hard to care about a timeline for this show when they care so little. Like, I'm trying my best. Yeah. But they've given me less than nothing to work with. They've given me incorrect information to work with. Incorrect in, like, two different ways, too. Like, it's not even just incorrect in one way. It's incorrect in two different ways. I hate it. We're trying so hard, but this show sucks so bad (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not even like a like a serious complaint about this show by the way because like no who cares number one they don't care so we don't care but also because like that's not how fun tv is written fun tv is written when you don't care about the facts and it just sort of happens to work out you know so like i get why they didn't care but also you wanted to make this man old why didn't you make him old i think that's like the thing is like the one thing we know about him is he carries around these bracelets. He has those damn file folders. He's like asking Penelope for his like info, et cetera, et cetera. And then they can't be bothered to like do anything about it. You know, like the whole thing with Max Ryan and then rewriting it. So Gideon and Rossi start the BAU, like whatever. But this. You could have tried a little bit. Could have tried a little harder. 
All just right. a little bit harder. Yeah. So Emily says one hell of a cooling off period, correct? And then they say it's hard to copycat the details like the dump site and the MO because they were never made public. So there's no way for this person to have heard it on the news. One thing I do think is odd is they never bring up the idea of like a an apprentice or like he had an assistant back in the day. They never bring that up at all, which I think is weird. Because a lot of times, like when it does end up being like an apprentice or whatever, they mention it, but they don't mention yeah, it Yeah, I thought here. that was kind of weird too. Yeah. I thought that was, that was interesting. But I wonder if they don't because don't we get that episode soon where it's the older serial killer apprenticing the younger guy? Isn't that episode soon? Yes, I think so. The one where they're... He hits him with but the they could have at least stuff. like thrown it out, and then it would have been a twist. Like it wasn't an apprentice; it was his son that he never met, and yet somehow, you know, I don't know. Anyway, I'm with you. I think it's weird. Yeah, thanks. They tell Penelope to look in other states. Like maybe the reason he's had a cooling off period is because he's actually been killing other places. And then JJ just like looks real emo at the pictures of the girls. Like she's truly just like sad at them. And again, I know this is supposed to be because she's like sad that it's young women just like her. None of these women look like her. All of them are brunettes, but whatever. Um, It's just truly like she just looks so tired. (laughs) You know, she's like sitting there with her headphones on the whole car ride with that like wish you would step back from the ledge, my friend. Like. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so true, actually, yeah. (laughs) God bless. And then we cut to the barn. One girl is, like, bound with her hands up, and another one is thrown in. That's Julie. And Julie is like, be quiet and just obey him. It's a party, and they're, like, having a party. This, again, never touched on. Why? Why parties? Why the party in? No, it is so weird, too, because their idea of a party is, like, he's drinking and they're just sort of, like, swaying to the music, I guess. Yeah, and there's, like, a bunch of alcohol and drugs and weirdness. It's weird. gets them really high, like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, what's, what is this? What are they eating? Also, like, are they, are they eating? Yeah. Later we see the girls have a uh, like a jug of water or something, but we never see them with like bread or anything. Like, do they just starve to death? Well, you can go, as long as you have water, you can go like a while without. You can go three weeks. Food. Yeah. Then they go three weeks before they get killed. That's just, that's just why I was like, what are you eating besides drugs? It's just weird. They never explain the partying thing. They don't explain a lot. No, that's not the point of it. There's that's sort the of point. just a lot of going, lot going on here, and you just kind of have to roll with it. The opening. Long time before the opening. It is, but I think it fits. Get there and everything. No, they don't. Oh right, it's they the, just the party, the briefing, and then the girls reveal. Oh yes, they're not actually in the car yet. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So then we cut to Hotch, JJ, and Spencer. 
driving to Chancellorsville, 30 minutes in the car. Love the seat politics going on here. Hotch drives, obviously. JJ, passenger princess, also obviously. Obviously. Reed, stuck in the back. (laughs) But like center seat in the back. But center seat because he wants to be in on the action. JJ is a passenger princess. She is. I know this in my heart to be true. I do too. And every time we see her, in the first season, when there's like eight of them in the car, she's in the back in the middle talking. But after that, passenger seat princess. Once they can afford two cars, she's a passenger princess. Yeah. She's like, no, I sit in the front. Even later when she's getting in the car and they're all going home, she's like, and I'm in the side. Thank you. Passenger seat. Thank you. Yeah. It just really makes me giggle. Like, so true, Passenger Princess. Yeah. Also, I just, like, love that it's, like, Hotch and then his, like, emo teen daughter and the, like, annoying middle school boy in the back. And he's just like, these are my children. JJ has not said two words. I love that. And you know Spencer's in the middle seat because they let him pick the music. Otherwise, he would be obnoxious about it. You just know that that's how that works. And that's why JJ should be wearing headphones. You can pick the music. I'm going to listen to my headphones. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, one thing I do think is very interesting, and I'm glad that they pointed this out. I just wish it wasn't for like one episode, then never again. They talk about like, oh, he sees women as worthless and disposable. They don't mean anything. He can just kill them and get a new one. And JJ is like visually affected by the way they're talking about this. But it like doesn't come up as something to talk about. Like when Hodgson talks to JJ, it's just like, it's okay to be upset that like they look like you sometimes and like you are aware of all the violence. It's like, I wanted JJ to be like, can we not talk about women the way these killers think about them? Like, yeah. It's also so weird because like all of these killers and all of the potential suspects for the killers are very much defined by their relationships with the women in their lives. Like we see the women in their lives more than we see the men. It's all, this Mm -hmm. is very much like a women's work episode of criminal minds. Yeah. Yeah. And yet they're talking about them like they're trash, which is because the killer thinks of them like that, but it's like, it's still, I just sort of like to see that explored. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. I understand. I'm with you. Thanks. So then, and they say that the previous guest for like who the killer of the you know the previous killer was was a seasonal worker, and that's why like the killing started and ended in winter. And then they talk about why the same dumping site because it's a respected landmark. He's like flaunting the bodies for his own ego. You can't catch me, even though I'm like here. You know, I'm right here. The other thing is, like, they never talk about, like, this killer is not dumping here because it's, like, he is here to flaunt. You know what I mean? Like, he's... He just lives by He just lives nearby, and that's, like, convenient for him. Like, it's just... Yeah. It's very much like, this is where my father dumped the bodies, so this is where I will dump the bodies. It's very much not, like, flaunting. That fact comes so late in the episode that it's like he learned from his father's diaries that there's no time to talk about why the father made the choices that he did. You know, like we don't know anything about that guy, which, you know, kind of feels intentional because the sons don't know anything, you know, and he's just copying blindly. He never knew his father. So, I mean, there is that to say, but it, 
it would be nice to get a little bit of idea of what the killer was like, you know? Yeah. And again, I think this comes from the fact that like this episode is so defined by the women. Mm -hmm. It's very much, there's a really, really good movie out called, um, I don't know if it's in theaters anymore. It's called like women talking and Mm. it's a really, really, really good movie. Um, you should watch it if you can. Um, but like, I've, I've just been like, I've been noticing it more in, especially in shows like Criminal Minds, when like they have an episode where like, they barely ever, like you only see the killer the last like minute of the episode maybe. Like it's so little time he's on screen. And then even the other suspect they have, he's only on screen for so little time compared to like mm-hmm. his mother. And then right. the killer's mother and the killer's wife both have much more screen time. And all three of these women are like, interesting fleshed out characters you know what i mean and so it's so interesting that they're using them as like stand-ins for the men but also like stand-ins for what's the word i'm looking for they're very much like these women are the ones also defining the environment it's very much like a Mm -hmm. sure the men are doing the work but the women are the one talk ones talking who like know about it Absolutely, yeah, I understand. It's really interesting, especially this episode. I think that does happen a lot in Criminal Minds, you know, that we get the women's, the mothers, the wives' point of view, the victims of the killer, and then we only get, like, small glimpses of the killer themselves. It's just this episode is really obvious because there's three women that we know better than the killer. Yeah. And it's, like, it's just, it's really fascinating. It is for sure. And it's also focused on JJ this episode. Yeah, it's so focused it's on like, JJ's angst. Yeah. Which again, Which why love. is she angsty? Who knows? She's going through it. Early pregnancy struggles. Secretly, she's having morning sickness. We just don't see it. That's literally like gotta be it though. Is the thing. Like it's gotta be it. She's like gotta be like, fuck man, what if I'm pregnant? <laughs> like, okay. Come back to the barn. The brunette's like really struggling to get out. And then Julia's like, is that, does everyone think I ran away? You know, my mom and dad looking for me. And the girl is like, yes, of course. You know, and Julie says like, how long have I been here? Because she just doesn't know the time. Three weeks she's been missing. Back to Chancellorsville. The sheriff, the current sheriff, says that the previous sheriff was like ruined by this case. They don't get a lot of murders and he like this murder was so horrible and he couldn't solve it. So he was just really like messed up by this case. <laughs> he started drinking, he had marital marital problems. But later we see that they like very clearly show that he still wears his wedding ring. Like yeah. I was like that's emotional. Yeah, so he's like that's terrible. And when they go to talk to him at the precinct, he sees a photo of one of the previous victims and, like, completely remembers her name, even though it's been, like, 30 years. So they talk about Fredericksburg in the 80s, and the guy's like, it was all farming communities. Now, and then he goes, well, now it's townhomes and housing communities, so that's probably the change. No, Fredericksburg is still a farming place. I don't know what they're talking about. It hasn't changed that much since the 80s. There's a mall now. (laughs) Like, okay. Anyway. They say that now he's taking sex workers and college students because they're available. 
now he's not now he's not taking sex workers. He is taking college students because they're more available. Oh, I see. Yes. There weren't college students in the 80s, I guess. Yes. Hmm. Okay. And then they say, you know, if he stopped for 30 years, he must have found another outlet. Great. Cut two. So the boyfriend was the last person to see the Brunecco alive. The other guy had the advantage over them. But, like, he carried her away while she was struggling, surrounded by people. So, like, that means something. And it is so dark outside in these places. Like, outside of any town, it is pitch black. Like, fuck streetlights, fuck any of that. So they're saying that it would be hard to navigate the area if you're not a local because, like, there's no signs, there's no lights. You, like, have to know where you're going. So it's, like, definitely a local killer. Also, yeah, you don't need to fucking tell me that, dude. I grew up in rural middle of nowhere. I know it gets I'm telling, dark as I'm fuck. telling the listeners. I'm telling our ninth co-host. The <laughs> listeners. Yeah, so true. Yeah, yeah. So then Hotch notices, JJ like turns around and is like rubbing her eye and is so like pissy. And Hotch is like, I'll catch up with you guys to so the sheriff and to read. And he goes over and he's like, since I had Jack, you know, I've been treading you know, a case with kids. And she goes, why are you telling me this? <laughs> it was like, absolutely. And then he's like, look, I know you see a lot of cases and victims that look like you. It must be like really hard. And JJ says, you know, you never let it get to you. And he's like, maybe I should have. Which like, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Like, what does this- that mean? This is like your dad telling you when you're like 28 years old, your dad telling you, hey, I'm sorry, I did a bad job. Like, okay, what does that mean, though? What does that mean? Okay, but me, 29, at my dad's in January, and he was like, man, I'm sorry if I didn't really notice your mental health was bad. And I'm like, thanks. That doesn't, what? Like, thank you, I guess. Yeah. Give me (laughs) money now. (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) Pay for my therapy now. Thanks. Yeah, Hotch is literally, like, he might as well have done, like, a very terrible pat on the shoulder. And there, there. JJ's like, you never get emotional of this. And he's like, yeah, maybe I should have emotions. Bye. And, and she's just like, leaves. okay. I'm like, okay. Then they share a silent drive back to the precinct. And, like, <laughs> what? This is literally your dad telling you, hey, man, I'm sorry I did a bad job when you're, like, 29 and self-sufficient. Like, it's just... Yeah. No, I know. So funny. Great. We cut back to the barn. Okay. It is impossible to tell the passage of time in this episode. This episode happens in one minute. It happens in a day. It happens in a week. (laughs) I don't know what goes on. Emily does wear three distinct outfits. So I want to say, you know, they get there, then there's two more days. But every time they cut to the barn, like, is that supposed to mean it's nighttime? Because they cut to the barn a lot. Well, they cut every time that there's a party, air quotes, that means it's a new night. Right. But in the daytime, they're in that weird, like, jail in in the uh, rocks. Yeah, they're in the jail cell. (laughs) Which is just like, I saw that, I was like, Okay. I was like, why are they there? 
What is that? <laughs> what is yeah. this? Oh, the north side of the property. This rock. Oh, there. you know. The jail that we keep on the north side of the property because we're in Virginia and we don't talk about it, but <laughs> like the other day I saw that and I was like, oh, war crimes were committed in that um room. No, exactly. Sure. I saw <laughs> <For> that sure. <laughs> There's this one throwaway line from early on in the vampire diaries when Tyler Lockwood finds a like cellar with like uh, chains and like restraints in it in his house mm-hmm. and he asks his mom about it and she's just like oh honey we don't talk about that room and every time every time I see some like creepy dungeon in like Virginia I'm always like oh okay so that's a room that we don't talk about in polite company <laughs> okay that's the uncomfortable history room <laughs> I I you know I go to all these battlefields and etc and I love learning about these history places, historic places. And I, I will say that the National Park Service is doing a great job of incorporating more and more, like, not just, like, the history of slavery, but, like, you know, we have these recipes from this time period that were definitely invented by slaves. Mm-hmm. You know, like, things like that, like, just acknowledging what could be seen as minor, you know, things, but tell the story of America in a very important way. And it's now when I like watch shows set in Virginia or like they go to an area that I know was like really intensely pro-slave, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, are we acknowledging the slavery or not? Like, are we talking about the elephant in the room? Are we talking about it? And I don't think we are. In this episode. We're not in this episode, but it does. Like It comes up sometimes. It just, like, again, it, like, made me. Yeah. Like, I saw that and I was like, oh, I see. Slave times. I was like, oh, so you just have a a jail cell in your house and you don't think that's, like, weird or whatever. Not even in our house. We have a jail cell. In the large rocks are over on the north side of the property. Like, and okay. we just kind of don't talk about it. Like, okay, I know what happened in that room, unfortunately. So, great. Not great. We go to the jail cell and Julie is like, hey, promise me that, like, you won't let them tell my parents what he did. Like, don't tell my parents what he did to us. I don't want them to know. And she like, it's like, we're going to get out of here. And then the guy like drags Julie away. And she's like, I promise. In the morning, Julie's dead. Rip. Rip. RIP Julie. Yeah. I will say, as far as mimicking historic places goes, there was a cannon in the background of this next shot. And a a big sign talking about Chancellorville. The fences were wrong, but I will give them credit <laughs> for, for putting a cannon in the background. Their props department wheeled out that cannon. <laughs> I literally, when they arrived and they had the white fences, I was like, these are wrong. The fences are wrong. And there's no cannons in sight. And then we got to this scene and there was a cannon. And I was like, okay, you know what? <laughs> okay, I'll give it to them. James, the fact that you're talking about that the fences on the Civil War battlefield are wrong. Bestie. What? It's just like, who else in the world 
Who else in the world would give a shit besides you? I am the middle-aged suburban demographic of retirees that this show is aimed at, okay? I am that 50-year-old couple in fucking nowhere watching Criminal Minds on syndication. That's me. I care. That's you. They showed so much field. Fences aside, they showed so much field and no cannons. I cannot overstate how many cannons are at these battlefields. I mean, it is a comical amount of cannons. So for them to show so much land and not even one, there were no, like, none of those markers for like battalions like that was just some farm that was just some farm yeah and like for people who don't know this there are markers everywhere in these towns like the big stone ones or even the little stone ones like even on random farms not on the typical like technical battlefield there are these markers everywhere yeah so for them to on the battlefield and it is just grass, that's, it's fine. I, I will give them the credit that they rolled out a cannon in that second part. I was very happy about it. They even put up a board that said hookers men. I read that line. Like, I'll give it to them, okay? They got a pass this time. They tried on that second half, okay? They came back in the second half. <laughs> they came back strong. <laughs> <laughs> I was mad, and then I'm going to give them some credit, okay? They found a cannon in California. Okay, I'll give it to them. I know literally no one cares, but it makes me happy when it gets, when it's right, you know? It just, sometimes I'm like, okay, yeah, this is a valid criticism with how the show is constructed. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then you're like, the fences are wrong. And I'm like, okay, bestie, you've lost the plot. I love you, but you lost the plot here. We are well-matched in our autistic ADHD friendship, but sometimes I am a little too far. Don't too go far where from I can't center. follow, James, please. <laughs> please don't go where I can't follow. <laughs> the fences. <laughs> we usually are pretty good at our little like clown to clown communication. This is too far. But sometimes you go where I can't follow you. I knew I knew it was I knew it was too far. But, you know, I had to, whatever. It's also interesting because um, a lot of the uh, historical sites around where I grew up, most of those were um, in, like, South Dakota, Iowa, that area. Mm -hmm. Um, All of those were, like, battlefields for, like, major, like, Native American battles mostly. Mm -hmm. Custard and all those stuff. Uh, they no cannons. Lots of markers. No cannons, though. No cannons. There, there's, there's a very distinct lack of cannons, as opposed to the wide open hill, wide open like fields of Virginia. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't think cannons would be very helpful in hill country. Oh, they're not. That's why there's no cannons on the battlefield. Yeah. Whereas we have like you pick a high spot and you see miles and miles and, you just and miles. Go. Yeah, exactly. Just go. Yeah. Okay. So they say the fence is back up to personal property. This is true. And then they said, like, there's no way to... Oh, the guy isn't even trying to hide the body. Like, he just, like, puts it on the battlefield. Which I will say, 
that's a pretty good way to hide a body. You know, there's a lot of grass out there. <laughs> there's a lot of grass out there. And also, if somebody sees it from afar, they're not going to be like, oh, that's a body. They're going to be like, oh, this is a recreation battlefield. It's a little more intense than I thought it would be. You know? Right. Not going to be like, oh, no, that's that missing girl on a picnic table. Like, that was like, okay. And then the guy says, well, you can't get in here without any ID. And they're like, yeah, but there's tons of entrances. You could even just hop over a fence. Which, yes, correct. But also, what the fuck are you talking about, IDs? You just drive in. It's just like a like a place. History is free to access, besties. It's all free. You're free to go. I don't know why IDs, even when you have to pay to get into a national park, like Shenandoah or Harvard's Ferry, they don't ask for ID. They're like, hey, it's 20 bucks. Give me $20. You give it to them. And then they're like, cool. Here's your thing. It's good for a week. Bye. Like, what? Yeah. That was, I was like, that's not like a gate, you know? <laughs> okay. Like some of them do. Like Shenandoah is along um, the Skyline Parkway. It's a one road, the National Park. And then trails kind of go off of the main road. So like, yeah, you can only get into the gates. But the ones like Fredericksburg, Antietam, Manassas, they're just places. Like, they're just, like, towns that happen to have, like, lots of grass nearby where a bunch of people died. Like, they're not, yeah. like, you know, which is the point they make that, like, you could just enter from, JJ is like, shut up, I grew up near Gettysburg. You can just walk in. Like, what are you talking about? And then I wrote, girl chained in jail in rocks? Question mark, question mark, question mark. That's where we see the jail cell door. And I was like, why is this here? Okay. Rossi is bonding with the old detection. <laughs> Rossi is bonding with the old detective at the police station on the steps. And the sheriff guy is like, the whole town thinks I'm crazy because, you know, I didn't want it to be someone local, etc. And then Rossi brings out the charm bracelet and is like, the other guy's like, oh, these are kids. And he goes, no, Indianapolis Christmas Eve. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. In three episodes, mm-hmm. when this happens, mm-hmm. they do find the guy, right, that killed these kids' parents. A major plot point is that he is only in town from the end of March to the beginning of April. It is a major plot point. So how? Not only did they say 21 years, and it's one of his first cases, they said it happened on Christmas Eve. That's what I meant when I said that they were wrong in like three different ways. I just am like, okay, Here's the thing. I write fan fiction and I post a chapter at a time. And sometimes I go to write something and I think, haven't I already mentioned this? And I'll look at a previous chapter and realize I was about to say something wildly incorrect to what I've already put out there. And I'm like, well, I'm beholden to what has already been published. You know, people have read this. I can't just change it now. Same thing I think should apply to television. They said Christmas Eve. So just Make it Christmas Eve then. Don't be like, eh, they won't notice that we said it in fucking April. Fuck off. It's just so... Uh, keep yeah. a spreadsheet. Anyway. 
And then Rossi's like, oh, yeah, these three kids saw their parents beaten to death. He calls every year on the anniversary. And this year, none of the kids returned his call. We'll find out why later. And also, I don't blame them. Also, why is that a call that I have to return to you, Mr. Rossi? You called me to tell me this. I said, okay, that's it. He says, hey, I'm still working on it. And you're like, okay, thanks. Like, why does that require a call back? Text me. Send me an email, Rossi. Send me an email, Rossi. Why are you calling (laughs) me? Literally. Okay. So we're back at the precinct. And Emily has been looking into repeat rape and assault offenders in the area. And then Penelope calls and says, there's no one in the other states, but... She goes, the next county over Stafford is Stafford County, still Fredericksburg. Fredericksburg spans a river, and on one side it's um, shit. One side is Spotsylvania County, and one side is Stafford County. But it's all still the same thing. Yeah. Like the town, like some of the town is on one side, some of the towns on the other side. So they're like, it wasn't your jurisdiction. And I'm like, but I mean, it's right there, though. Yeah, but like, it's still not your jurisdiction if you're the county guy. But you've never heard of it? Like, you don't talk to the dude you can throw a stone and hit their window? You don't talk to that guy ever about these terrible cases? Like, if it's on the news in town, both of them are seeing it. I sort of got the implication. I got the idea from the way they talked about that case is that she is that they kind of hush hushed it is that it was sort of like covered up hush hushed i i get that but the way they explain it off as oh it wasn't your jurisdiction doesn't make sense in the context of fredericksburg yeah that's what i'm saying well they do the same fucking thing in kansas city it's the same fucking town just across the river in a different county and so it's a different police force that's true they do the same thing all the fucking time it's always not your jurisdiction i just like i don't Maybe I just want police to be better than they are. You just want police to be competent <laughs> at your jobs, and that's asking too much. Maybe this isn't a criminal minds problem. Maybe this is a police problem. Like, hey, Bestie, if you're researching cases and you watch on television that about a mile to the east, another case just like yours has happened, maybe pick up a fucking phone. That's asking too much. I hate it. Okay. <laughs> I hate it so much. We learned about a woman kidnapped in 1979. She escaped. And they're like, was it his first killing? Was it a practice killing? Cool. Emily and Derek go to talk to the victim, Karen. And she's like, nope, not me. And then Karen, (laughs) and then Emily is just like, it's not you. He didn't rape you, burn you, beat you, hang you up, drug you. Punch you, stab you. Like, I was and like, Emily. No tact whatsoever. I was like, I was like, Jesus Christ, Emily. Emily, can you chill out? Emily is surprisingly, like, unsympathetic to this woman this episode. Like, later, she's like, the only person she's protecting is the killer. And I'm like, Girl, Emily, this, give it up. She's been through trauma. I was. It's really wild coming from Emily this episode. I was like, you're usually so nice. Well, calm she and down. JJ, it's because her girlfriend is going through it. So Emily's she's like, I don't have time for this. It. Yeah. 
she woke up really early this morning to see JJ just staring out the window dramatically with a cup mm-hmm. of coffee in hands. And then she was like, oh, it's going to be one of those days. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Emily is like, JJ's like, Emily, I know we have to take this case, but like, I'm not happy about it because of this, this, and this. And Emily's like, okay, we'll wrap it up as fast as possible. Goes to the victim, and the victim's like, I'm not going to help you. And Emily is like, you better fucking help me. My girlfriend said that we're here. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah. Okay. The woman is like, I was just on drugs. Bye. And they try to reason with her, and she's like, no. And Emily's like, well, take my card at least. And the woman's like, no. So Emily, like, tucks it into the door and leaves. Oh, yeah. And then, okay. Emily comes in and is like, she won't talk. She's denying it's happening. Blah, blah. And then Ross is the one who's like, I get it. She can't reopen that door. It's probably really traumatic. And I was like, why is Ross the good guy this episode? Yeah, I thought that was weird. I was like, why is this guy so chill? Who's this guy? Who is this like, guy? Everyone was out of character this episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rita Derek barely exists this episode. It pisses me the fuck off that Re- that Derek is not here more. Yeah. Reed, he can he can do whatever, but Derek, sure. I want my boy. <laughs> Derek just keeps like tagging along. He's like, yeah, I'll go with them. Like, oh, JJ needs someone. I'll go with JJ. It's fine. Yeah. I get it. Like this episode wasn't about him, but I was like, it's weird when you're just like, hey, aren't they in this episode? Where are they? But then, so Rossi's like, she's afraid. She's protecting herself. And then Emily says she wasn't afraid. Like, let's be very clear. I was like, he's killing again. And she didn't blink. The woman isn't afraid. So they say, you know, the only reason she wouldn't be afraid is if she thinks that he's dead or she knows that he's dead. So they were like, okay, the guy was in his mid twenties. He disappeared after the last victim was found, you know, like he, they found the last victim and then he died or disappeared. Must matter gone somewhere else. He would have need two areas, like his living space, his killing space, like a barn, a workshop, something like that. And then the old guy is like, you know, Wilkinson was killed when he, he was 28, when all of this was happening, and then he fell into his harvester. That was in December 1980. And they were like, hey, that's when the killing stopped. And then they say that he has a widow. Okay. As soon as we see this widow, I'm like, oh, she killed him. Like um like um She's immediately. So good. This actress, by the way, um, oh. this is Jennifer Hetrick. So Chef's good. Kiss. So good. So good. You see this woman, and this is the face of a woman who did kill her no good bastard of a husband. Absolutely. In the most affectionate way possible. I mean this so yes. affectionately. She killed him yeah. and she doesn't feel repentant for it, and that's okay. Yeah, so they go to the widow. She's like, yeah, I have a son. Super weird about the, like, the guy, he died. And she's like, yeah, no, he did. Yeah, no, he died. He did die. Yep, he's dead, yeah. Super dead. You know, and they're like, what did you think he could be doing this? And she's like, I don't think about him ever. And they were like, you were young, you were pregnant, you don't think about him? And she's like, he was violent. He died. I left him. I went back and he died the day I went back. So weird. Now I don't think about him. So they leave. And then Derek is like, oh, yeah, the Madonna whore complex. That's what's happening. So a couple of things. One, we don't do that anymore. Right? We're done with that. We the Madonna whore complex basically is you're either a virgin 
like you know the Virgin Madonna, not the singer, the Mary, Jesus's mom. You're either a virgin and pure and beautiful, or you're like a slut, poor bitch. Right? We don't do that anymore. We don't pit bad bitches against each other, <laughs> etc. You can be both. You can be both. Wear what you want to wear. It doesn't mean anything. Okay. <laughs> wear that mini skirt. But also, you don't got to do sex because you're wearing a sexy outfit. Hell yeah. It doesn't matter if you're a miraculous, like, if you have a miraculous conception, you can still work that skirt. Like, I don't Oh my care. God. Oh my God. <laughs> She's a virtue, not a saint. <laughs> She might be. She's probably a, a saint, right? Anyway, um, so Derek says that to mean that the guy couldn't kill his like nice, respectful, pregnant wife, so he goes and he finds sex workers and drug addicts that he can kill. That's not what that complex means. I, I hate that we invoked it at all, but also. You're wrong in your application of it, Derek. So they say, you know, the girls replace the wife, but that guy's dead. So, like, who's doing it now? Right. Great. Then we see this new woman. Oh, my God. Her outfit is so cute. She's in, like, a floral top and, like, a mini skirt and, like, cowgirl boots or something. And she's, like, at the farmer's market. And she's, like, calling the guy by his name. He's not there. He left to be back in five minutes with a clock drawn. Love it. And she just puts money into his lockbox and then goes to get her apples. And I was like, oh, my God, she shops here all the time. How cute. But while she's getting out of her car, we see a guy drive by in his pickup. And then as she's finishing, it pulls into the parking spot. And then he, like, grabs her and he, like, takes her away. Such a cute outfit. Shame you had to be abducted like this. Shame about the abduction. Shame about the crimes that are committed against you, but like, cute outfit, mm-hmm. girl. Okay. <laughs> the BAU shows her with a crime scene. This is where JJ is like touching her tummy at this scene. But also, she goes, There's three missing girls in this town, and nobody noticed an abandoned car. <laughs> immediately starts calling somebody on her phone. And I was like, actually, you're so right. You're so right, queen. She's like, why didn't the owner call? And they were like, we didn't think anything of it. And she's like, <clears throat> hello? <laughs> she's like, where, where am I? What have I been doing? Is this amateur hour, gentlemen? Am I a joke to you? <laughs> like, <laughs> I love no, her No, she can't be episode. a joke to us. We're not saying jokes in this episode, remember? No jokes. Have we told any jokes? I honestly 100% cannot remember anything we've said so far this episode. <laughs> Sorry. If I've said anything that you find funny, that's on you. That's not my fault. <laughs> I didn't tell a joke. You heard a joke. Yeah. I'm sort of doing the opposite of when like, you know when somebody on the internet very clearly insults you and then they're like, oh, it's just a joke. Don't be mad about it. I'm doing the opposite where I'm saying a joke, but if you interpret it as a joke, that's on you. That's not my fault. <laughs> You're so funny. Excuse me? Excuse- <laughs> you Hello? Think, am I a joke to you? Am I a joke to you? Do you think I just get up here and I tell my little jokes for two hours every Wednesday? Do you think I just... Do you think- would I just get over here and tell jokes? 
<laughs> do you think I do this podcast for fun? You think I just do this to have fun with my friend James watching an episode of a TV show we both like? Do you think I just do this because I like talking to my best friend? Gross. That's so in in today's society, in this capitalist grind set, absolutely not. Telling jokes in this economy? <laughs> this economy is a joke. If you think we're funny, that's embarrassing for you. <laughs> that says more about you than it does about me. Honestly, the way people interpret us is more about them exactly. than it is about us, you know? <laughs> if you think I said a joke, no, I didn't. <laughs> okay. You you won't be able to hear it until you go back later, but I did add a really well-timed but um to it and I just I want you to know that that's in there. That's a that's okay. a little joke. That's a little thing from me to you. That's a gift. That's a gift I have given you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. <laughs> New victim. They go back to talking about copycats because of the MO, because it's a dumb site, but none of that was public knowledge. So how does this guy know? JJ's like, what if it's his son? And then the sheriff is like, sorry, are you saying this is genetic? <laughs> and this episode says, you know, kinda. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, I mean, kinda. Also, JJ's accent is back. The accent she gets whenever she goes into like small towns in the Pennsylvania, Virginia area, she gets her accent back. It's back. Can I tell you that I went home, uh, I went home for Easter and uh, I also regretfully did get my accent back too. Yeah, me every time I go to Miami for more than like two days. It's so bad for us out here. It's so <laughs> bad for me out here, bestie. It's just Minnesota. so bad for me. If I say soda, I'm going to fucking shoot myself in the head. That's so funny. JJ's like, what if he has a son? And they're like, it's genetic. And they say maybe it's a combination of genetic and social stuff. The old sheriff points out that Wilkinson's son used to kill cats when he was little. But like, not just kill them. He would like put them in a bag and like whack them against trees. Like, yikes. So they're saying that like, he probably was already already genetically, he was probably already genetically predisposed to anger and violence and it like only got worse because of the environment that he was in so that's and also i think should be said um some of this science we have thrown out some of this science we have kept um some folks are just more predisposed to anger like that's just like a thing yes the science of like being a serial killer from birth is not that's junk science Oh, yeah, we don't do... So there's something known as... I think it's the McDonald triad Mm -hmm. where there are things that, like... The three things that lead up to creating circulars is, like, a head injury, starting fires as a kid and hurting animals as a kid. And that's not... That's another one. But, like, the triad, the, like... But you can also have some extras for fun. For fun. (laughs) Just, like, Bedwetting, yeah, is another one. Which is... Bedwetting is kind of, like emotional dysregulation it's like part of that uh anyway that's bullshit yeah that's such bullshit no but if you're putting a cat in a bag and chucking it against a tree yeah so they acknowledge that they don't have a lot of time because he usually kills his current victim once he takes a new one 
and we know he still has brunette girl, so like she's gonna be the next to die. And then Penelope calls it, it's like we know that Karen was lying, that it was her for sure. So this time Emily and Reed go to Karen's house. And Emily's like, We know wait, you were wait. lying. Oh Rossi goes. Yeah. Sorry, I used to write R for Reed. And then I just stopped because Rossi is also R. So now I write SR for Spencer Reed and I write DR for David Rossi. But my brain just read it as Dr. Reed. Yeah. Emily and Rossi go to Karen's house. And Emily's like, we know you fucking lied, bitch. You've got a burn scar and a baby. Terrible. Which again, (laughs) so fucked up. Emily, get your shit together. Hey, Emily, why are you such a bitch this episode? At least JJ is, like, containing it. She's inwardly angsty. Emily is like, actually, you will tell us all about your rape and assault. Thanks. It's so fucked up. It's so fucked It's also, like, way less kindness than Emily usually shows people. Yes. Like, That's so okay. weird this episode. Girl. Rossi's nice. JJ's angsty. More than angsty than usual. Emily's kind of insensitive it's like what is going on (laughs) okay everybody's out of character this episode yeah so then we cut to the brunette girl who's like about to die passing on julie's wish she like tells the new girl hey don't tell julie's parents what happened to us very sad cut to back to karen emily and rossi can i also just say sorry just hit my fucking uh, I just hit my mic stand. Um, can I also just say, I do like this little moment of humanization where Julie is telling the new girl, like, hey, her name was Julie. She was here before you. Mm. Please, like, it's very much like a like a don't let this story die kind of thing. Absolutely. And I really, really like it. I do, too. I do, too. It's such just, like, what a moment. Yeah, it is like victim's bonding. You know, I think the brunette girl is like, I'm not getting out of this, but, like, this is a little thing I can do. To get back at that guy, you know. Exactly. This is a little yeah. kindness I can do for somebody who I watched die in front of my eyes. Like, it's just so. Yeah. 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 And again, okay. this show's treatment of victims sometimes is really, really good. And this one's Some... very good. It's very good. So then we cut to Karen. And Karen is like, my son doesn't know who his father is. He doesn't know that I was raped. I told him his father was a hero. And he's like, why didn't you just, like, you know, not keep the baby? Why don't you, like, get an abortion? And the woman says, I couldn't make my baby pay for what his father did. And then it, like, cuts back to Emily, who, like, nods. And I did have a little, um, oh, Emily moment. Oh, Emily. I know. <laughs> okay. The son, her son is Stephen. He was out of, just got out of jail for DY. And... They're like asking about what he has. They're asking about his behavior. Like, what has he been like since he got back? You know, whatever. And the woman is like clearly scared that her son could be the killer. Okay. So Derek Reed went to go find Charlie Wilkinson, the Wilkinson's son, and he didn't show up at work today. Okay. Back to Karen's house, Stephen comes home. And Emily and Rossi are still there. And the son reveals to his mother that he's known the truth for 10 years. 
because 10 years ago in the garage, he like found a newspaper about Wilkinson's death and like he's seen the new girls being killed. You know, he recognized the Wilkinson when he looked at him and he like knew that his mom thought that it was him back in the day. The son has it all figured out. Yeah, he says that like when he was holding that like picture of Wilkinson, mm. he was like, the look on your face when you saw me holding this picture, I just knew, which is so like, wow. Yeah. But it also makes sense that she would like keep the paper that's like, yeah, he's dead. Yeah. You know? Also that, yeah. She can like look at it whenever she has that anxiety. Like, I appreciate that. It'll touch. So then the son kind of like slowly realizes that he is a suspect in this. That like the mom thinks he might have done this. Yeah. Which is so sad. You know, and she, she's like, I have never regretted having you. Yeah. Ever. These two you have know? such an interesting dynamic and relationship. Yeah. Like, oh my God. I, you know, I, I think that, you know, I think that Karen was determined to show Stephen love, you know, and be like, if I love him and care for him, he won't turn out like that. And he did it, right? You know, and then when he finds out 10 years ago, he would have been 17 and realized what happened. And I think that probably was a big moment of like, I've got to be a good guy. You know, my mother, like, had me even though she was traumatized and she's always loved me and like you know it's just me and her and like you know, that kind of moment yeah the fact that like he knew and he didn't yeah. like confront her about it he was still just like willing to let it be sort of unsaid yeah just like their relationship so, is so interesting yeah and so i'm sure it was so hurtful now when she suspected that it could be him yeah. You know, and he's like, this has never been something that we have talked about. You've never looked at me like that, except for that moment, like all of this. And now you think that just because I'm his son, I could be hurting people. You know, I thought it was a really interesting thing of like, is Steven, you know, the killer's son or is he Karen's son? You know, yeah. like, you know, yeah. And it's very much again, back to that argument of nature versus nurture kind of. Um, that they're sort of trying to start with this episode. Yeah, it's such an interesting, like, tiptoeing the line of, like, it's genetic and it's social upbringing. Also, the you next know? episode kind of does that as well. Because the, the next, next episode, episode is Third Life. Where it's the daughter of the mob hitman and her friend who get abducted by those boys and it's a lot about, like, should the daughter be punished for the father's oh, crimes? Well. Yeah. We know how that ends up in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. But I like it. Right. I like it in that one. And then we're also going to another. Um, then we go into Limelight, which is whatever. But then we go into another kid-centric episode. Um, Rossi's episode. We go into limelight and then we go into damage. Like, mm -hmm. insane. Insane. Like, there's something, there's something this show is trying to say. God damn it. I just don't know what it is. 
can I say something? These episodes, this season, it feels like me when I started writing my master's thesis. I like knew what I wanted to talk about. I was like reading enough that I was like forming an idea, but I hadn't read enough yet to start writing, but I didn't have my idea solidified enough to know what to read. Mm-hmm. And so I was just writing these like vague statements that were true and that made sense, but had no real like substance. That's what these episodes feel like. Like, yeah. they're like, I need to write this episode so I can figure out what I'm trying to say, but I need to know what I want to say before I can write this episode. Yeah. They're like cats 22 ing themselves. Yeah, they're cat and mousing. They're chicken and egging themselves here. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Okay. Karen is going to recall her memories of... She's going to tell them what happened to her. And it's very emotional. She does such a good job, and I'm so proud of her. This actress is so good. So good. Say her name, too. Her name is um, Dendry Taylor, is who plays Karen Foley. She is so good. And when she, like, goes to the barn later, and she's, like, shaking, and, like, oh, God. No, it's really good. Okay. She talks about what happened in 1979. He would always cover her head when taking her to the barn, and he kept her high, but he always wanted to party. And then one night, he was, like, passed out from drugs. They never say which drugs. I'm going to assume it's, like, heroin, right? They passed out on drugs. She realizes the barn door is unlocked. She's not shackled. He's asleep. She runs away. The cops don't believe her because she was an addict, I guess. So they... I think she was already an addict. Yes, she was. And then she this says ha- that okay. she was using back then. Yeah. I just wasn't sure if that was, like, before or, like, that was what was happening during. But I think, yeah, I think she was already an addict before this. So the cops were like, you were just trying to get your fix and now you're saying some, you know, bullshit. And then at the time, there were no other girls there. It was just her. And then she says she scratched a peace sign on the wall that she would touch all the time. This comes to nothing. Well, no, it doesn't. They don't, it comes to the. They don't find it. They find it at the jail cell later. Oh. Because they talk about how they didn't find it at the barn, so it has to be right. somewhere else. Oh, I. I'm glad you said that because I did not make that connection. I thought they just were like, it's not at the barn. Yeah, no, they say it's not at the barn, so he's keeping them somewhere else. I see what you mean. No, well, they say they're, you know, they're not here. So he's keeping them somewhere else. Yeah, but But they also don't find together. Yeah, okay. J.J. Hotch and Derek go to Charlie Wilkinson and his wife's house. The wife's there, and they're like, hey, we need to explore. Where's Charlie, et cetera. The woman is like, oh, I don't know. And they're like, we need to look in your barn. And she's like, oh, well. And JJ just goes, ma'am. And she's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. <laughs> but JJ is like, do we need a warrant? Or are you going to let us open the fucking barn? <laughs> like, Yeah. JJ, Poor Chrissy. Fuck? Girl's having a day. Truly. And we'll talk about the end of this episode. I loved her. Okay. I love her, yeah. Yeah. So they go into the barn. They find the cuffs like hanging from the ceiling and there's like liquor and stuff. And they say, you know, it's the right place, but there's no women. And then they find like a bloody axe and a stump in one of the like horse stalls. 
Yikes. So, yeah. So they're keeping them elsewhere. And then Mrs. Wilkinson, the widow, arrives. Not surprised. <laughs> she shows up and she's like, so um, what's up? Finding anything in the barn? Or um, <laughs> Yeah. And this episode is all about, like, basically it's all about these three women and the secrets yes. they're holding. It's just so. Yeah. It's good. No, it's good. It makes sense that it was written by women, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Rossi is like, tell us about the dad. Blah, 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 blah. You didn't move back here until he was dead. Like all this kind of stuff. And she's like, he's dead. It doesn't matter. Stop it. And they're like, where would he go to be alone? You know? And the mom is like, the widow is like, I don't know. I don't know. But then in the house, JJ and Reed are looking at the dad's diaries. Your journals, I guess he's a man and keep journals. Charlie found them. They're like full of details, but there's no information about the secondary location. So they're like, we're going to have to bring Karen back. So Karen comes back with her son. She is shaking. She is being so brave about this. Like she's being so brave. She like, walks up to the barn and like stops and is like the smell. It like still smells the same. Yeah. She's like, I lived Ugh. in this smell. I was like, oh, God. I know. Okay, and then she turns around and she sees the guy's wife and starts, like, screaming at her. Like, didn't you suspect him? Didn't you hear me screaming? Didn't you wonder why he left every night? Did you kiss him after he did this? And the woman is like, I killed him. And nobody looks surprised at that. <laughs> Yeah. Except and for Karen. So, Karen looks a little surprised. Everybody else is like, yep, that about tracks. Emily's face is like, oh, now you've said it. We're going to have to charge for it. She's like, if like, you had just not said it, it would have been yeah. way less paperwork if you had just not said it. Mm -hmm. I wrote, duh, in all caps. Um, we knew, right? We've been yeah, new. We knew. And also, like, women kill their husbands good. all the time. <laughs> Honestly, good for her. Good for them. Good for her. <laughs> She killed that murdering son of a bitch. Good for her. She put him in the harvester. She pushed him into that fucking combine, dude. Those yeah, things and are was brutal, like, by the way. My uncle lost four fingers on his hand that way. Aren't they like metal yep. like tubes that cut basically, up? Basically, yeah, know? they're like they're basically like metal forks that just um that you put like on a on a rotating tube and so they just sort of rotate and shove up the plants and then it goes into a bin um yeah yeah no he got crushed that man got fucked up for yeah, sure no he dead for real he got super dead yeah so inside oh by the way charlie's wife the son's wife is pregnant chrissy is pregnant yes yeah which like no one mentions but i was also kind of like is she gonna have that baby because it seems like in this world, um, through the doubt rabbit hole, <laughs> right? This kid of a killer is a killer. Yeah. At least until Ashley Seaver. And then she's our best boy is the thing. That Ashley's Ashley's our best boy. Ashley's like kind of the best boy, okay. I kind of like her. I think she would have killed it as a lesbian. Anyway. The young wife, Chrissy, right? Mm-hmm. Goes is like, I need a rest. Are you going to stay here and wait for him? And the officer's like, of course I will. And she's like, okay, I'm so pregnant. Oh, 
and she walks away. I was like, she's gone. <laughs> she's she gone. She just walks she's out by. the back door. She just disappears. Yeah. I couldn't remember if she was like in on it or not. I was like, but she's gone. Either way, she's out of that house. So Karen is going to do an interview of her senses. And I like this one. It's not like a weird, what do you smell? What do you see? What was the sky like that? It, no. She closes her eyes and she walks and tries to remember what it was like to walk on that ground. She was like, it was soft. It was sticks. There was a hill. You know, I touched things soft and there's something hard underneath it, which is like moss on a stone. Mm-hmm. And she's describing all of this. And the widow is like, oh, that's on the north side of the property. So they go. They find the girls inside. The brunette's unconscious. And the other one is like, help her. She's hurt. She just collapsed, etc. Great. And also they find the little peace symbol. Yeah. That, uh, Karen carved into the stone. So nice. So then we go to a statue of someone, probably Stonewall, and the husband is there drinking. And Chrissy shows up and is like, you killed them. They found like the alcohol. They found the women. Yada, yada, yada. We know it's you. And then she's like, did you rape them? You sick son of a bitch. And then it cuts away. You do a gunshot. And then it cuts. Okay. They get there two seconds later. The gun is on the ground and she's just standing there rubbing her belly. Like, like not no gun in hand, nothing. And she's like, he came at me. I had to do it. You know, I had to. And she like looks at Charlie's mom, the widow, and the widow's like, good for you, actually. You know, she's like, she's like, this is sad. But also, me too, you know? Yeah. I also like, again, I like how this episode is so centered on the women. I like how all the women were the ones who got revenge in the end. Love that. I also like how the sort of, um, Charlie vaguely kind of mentions it um, when when she says, like, I'm pregnant. Like, we're about to start a family. And he says, I never wanted that. And it's sort of implied if you... (laughs) If you read into the timeline close enough, it's sort of implied that the pregnancy of their wives was the was trigger. the was the trigger for both of them. Because she says that she um once she got pregnant, he got mean and then she and then uh widow uh widow Wilkinson left how left the home and lived with her parents right. for a while. She was about to come back and then he died or she killed him, right? And then it's sort of implied here the same thing true for Charlie Wilkinson and his wife is she got pregnant and he that's when he started killing because he's only been killing for like nine weeks probably. Yeah. And she's visibly pregnant. So Yeah, so he he you know what? He probably started killing when she got visibly pregnant. Yep. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. And so at this point she's like actually big but i think i'm sure that like seeing the baby bump was the like was the thing stressor so yeah yeah, i just like that that's sort of again this is an episode all about women's work and this is an episode all about uh family and especially about how these women have absolutely murdered their husbands also i will say there's a tinge of like 
what what atmosphere were these women creating though? Because Karen has a son by this guy who turned out fine. I well, mean, he, he did, did get, get a, DUI. a DUI, so not totally yeah. fine. Don't drink but he's not drive. like a murderer, right? Don't don't drink and drive. But also, he's not like a murderer, rapist. Yeah. But like this woman's husband and then her son, you know, it's yeah. like, huh? It's but it, also it's, it's there to make you question it. Yeah. But also one thing that's interesting is this woman had her son somewhere else. Karen, they say that she didn't move back until he was dead. You know, so her son that grew up in an atmosphere completely devoid of that guy's life. Whereas like this, the widow grew, like lived on the same farm. It was like they were doing this at the same barn in the same hidey hole. You know, like she didn't yeah. remove her son from like the that environment place. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just more interesting than this episode gives it credit for. Yeah, absolutely. Also, I love the idea that, like, the widow might have told Chrissy what happened. When, like, the, imagine that the guy starts killing, right? And then the widow goes to the son and is like, you know, his dad did this. It was his dad, etc. So, Chrissy's like, actually, I'm also going to kill you. It's <laughs> just, it's just... I like it. I like it a lot. I yeah. like it when women murder their husbands. But I especially... I too. I don't know. I just really like Chrissy killing yeah. her husband, too. Like I do, I do like, though, that they let Karen, like, pose the question of, like, what were you doing while yeah. he was, like, hurting us? Like, we see how close the house and the barn are. It's, like, it's truly less than, like, 20 yards not even yeah and it's silent out there at night yeah so the wife would have heard the music and the screaming and all of that and done nothing until they got pregnant you know and then chrissy was very pregnant and still doing nothing until they showed up at her doorstep like it sounds like both these wives put up blinders yeah they've been like that veil of ignorance which also We talk about it later in the show, but a lot of people do. Yeah. Like, it's a survival skill like anything else. You know what I mean? Right. That's the thing. It's like, they're also victims of abuse. Yeah. You know, and then, yeah. So this episode is like very interesting about that because it's like, they've broken their own cycle of abuse by killing the guys, but they also did nothing to stop them from killing the women. Exactly. You know, that's like a thing we see. Um, I hate the phrase, but like battered wife syndrome. Yeah. Of like, you do nothing until you snap, uh-huh. you know? And so for the widow, it wasn't until she moved away that she can got out of his, you know, control that she went, actually, this is too bad to do anything about and killed him, you know? And like Chrissy kind of, the same thing. It wasn't until he was gone and the cops were there and she was forced to face the reality of it that she could go and kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Lots to think about in this episode. Really interesting episode. They ultimately don't talk about it really at all. No, but I I am more okay with that in this episode than I have been in other episodes. Yeah. 
like it feels like you know the signposting in this one is like i'm i i am picking up what they are putting down yeah exactly you know in in other episodes they were putting nothing down you know other episodes they're like here are the ingredients bake your cake this episode they're like i've made you your bread dough choose how you shape it yeah you know (laughs) yeah okay so then JJ and Hotch have a little talk that are basically like, is it better to be jaded or is it um, better to be caring? You know, and, and Hotch is like, you have to care. You know, it's never perfect, but you have to care. And JJ's like, is that true? And he goes, I believe it's never perfect and walks away, which like, right. Rossi's talking to the sheriff and the sheriff's like, how long has it been for you? And Rossi says 21 years. And the guy says, don't let it be 22. Boom, boom, boom. Great. Everyone gets into their car. JJ Passenger Princess. JJ Passenger Princess, so true. So true. Also, was that Emily Passenger Princess as well? Yeah, in the other car. So true. (laughs) If I'm a Passenger Princess and you're a Passenger Princess, then who's driving the car? (laughs) Who's driving the car? (laughs) Absolutely. God bless. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like Derek driving, Emily in the front seat, Reed in the back, and then Hotch driving, JJ in the front seat, Rossi in the back. Rossi, you know Rossi is like, he's got like his travel pillow. He's like not wearing a seatbelt. He's just like reading the books laid out across the back seat. Oh, Rossi is like, I like having a driver. I'm sitting in the yeah. back. Rossi, Rossi is, I sit in the back, even if there's no one in the passenger seat. Yeah. Yeah, that's Rossi's Rossi. very sure. used to having a driver. Absolutely. We, like, never see him drive in this show. I feel, like, 80% confident in saying that. They like, took no his joke. license away because he's too old. Absolutely. He's got an astigmatism in a real bad way. Yeah, yeah. His um, cataracts are coming in. Yeah, Okay. They, they're back at the bullpen. Derek, they're like doing paperwork, just doing the thing where they get back and they get their stuff that they left. And Derek goes, go ahead. This is the scene where JJ is standing so perfectly with her stomach behind a bunch of files. And it yep. really made me laugh. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Derek goes, who's up for a drink? And Emily puts her hand up and says, who's up for five? And Derek just, like, waggles his finger at her, like, uh-huh, that's what I'm talking about. And Rusty's like, yeah, sure. And Spencer's like, I don't know. And Derek's like, shut the fuck up. Of course you're coming with us. And then he, like, looks at JJ and he makes this, like, hand motion, like, come on, come on. And she goes, I'm going to have to take a rain check. And then Emily's like, oh, and, like, rubs her shoulder. And JJ, like, looks over, like, over her shoulder at the hand and then Emily like trails away but like leaves her hand on JJ's shoulder for like as long as she can it was like you're in public right now what are you doing like why are you guys having sex in public this is so weird (laughs) it is so clearly Emily is like oh okay babe go get some sleep like JJ's like thanks babe I love you like okay (laughs) okay and then Hotch is like yeah I'll go for a couple drinks and then someone walks in and is like Agent Hotchner here and he signs for it and emily okay this is a big moment emily goes hey what is that she asks about a personal thing and instead of being like that was a private fucking conversation hotch is like yeah it's my divorce papers Haley's um 
filing for divorce. I just got served. I just got served and like leaves. And now he's no longer going to get drinks, I guess. I worked out now we're having 10 drinks. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, actually, bye. <laughs> I think this is also a big moment for Hotch because he just like tells them. He doesn't have to tell them. Yeah. He's just like, he could just been like, oh, it's personal and not told them a thing. But he like told yeah. them. Yeah. I think it's a big deal that that he told, like Emily asked, felt confident asking, and that he answered and told everyone. Yeah. Good for them. Vulnerable episode for everyone. So true, besties. So true. What do you rate it? What do I rate it? Oh, fucking no. I think I want to give it like a nine. You're going to give it a nine? Yeah. Well, let me give it an eight and a half because I do forget it exists until I watch it. But then when I watch it, I'm happy I did. I I really like this episode. I really like the questions it poses. I really like the conversation you can have with this episode. Uh, so I'm going to mm-hmm. give it a nine because I, every time I look at the episode, the title of this episode, I'm always like, oh yeah, it's that one. You know? Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to start docking half a point every time I can't remember an episode exists until I've watched it. <laughs> okay. You know what? At least Fair. for these early seasons. Yeah. Uh, they didn't say wheels up in this episode. Obviously, they didn't fly. Did they say the birthright? They did. Did they? They did. When they when they were talking about Charlie and how he was like, he was an angry kid. He didn't have any outlets. He didn't have many friends. He found mm. his dad's journals and must have felt that this was his birthright or something like that. That's right. They, they say something along those lines. So that's going to be a yes from me, dog. Uh, and this one, was it the devil? No. Just no, it's a pretty human episode. Very human episode for once. I like it when it's not just like, and it was the devil, and it was God. <laughs> and God is real. Like, okay. Okay, thank you. Okay. That's all we got. That's all she wrote. Um, Next week on Wheels Up, Third Life. A really good episode. I really dig this one. And talk about a setup that pays off so far in the fucking future. Oh my God. It's Lindsay Vaughn. Yeah. I totally forgot that this is her episode. That's it. For this episode of Wheels Up, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast or anywhere you get your socials at Wheels Up Pod. Uh, you can leave us a uh, little, uh, you can leave us something in the Q&A down below or you can uh, email us at wheelsup at brightcrownmedia.com. Uh, you can fucking leave us a voice message and just tell us we're stupid. I don't fucking know. <laughs> you do you, you know? Like well, truly, yes. I'm not your mother. I'm not your mother. I'm not your mom. Get your own shit together. I'm not your mom. James, do you have a new quote for me, bestie? I have a Garcia quote for you. And don't worry, it's not contagious. Look, they can't all be winners. Okay? <laughs> Sometimes we're just going to have a loser, okay? It can't all it's be not winners. That's not always a Mimi quote. Sometimes the episodes are just episodes. It's a good episode. Don't got memes. Sometimes a good episode has memes. Sometimes a good episode don't have memes. I killed him. 
I killed him. Kill and everybody said, and, and nobody moved. Truly nobody moved.